kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife. It's time for the Outdoor Man Podcast with the man himself, Outdoor Man Dan. Join us for fun stories, useful how-tos, and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future. From ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire. Let's get into today's show with your host, Outdoor Man Dan. So this episode is with Jonathan, or you may know him, Redbeard Outdoors, um, or Redbeard Outdoors podcast. A man about family, hunting, and a bit of fitness as well. I mean, he's just, just an all-round good guy. I managed to, I asked Jonathan a few weeks ago if he'd come on the show, and he said yeah, which is, um, which is absolutely awesome. So Jonathan, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, of course. I appreciate the invite. I love talking to the guys over Actually, anyone who's not in the UK, I love talking to because, especially in the States, because your sort of hunting is what I'd love to do. And I was actually talking to a guy over, I think it's in Texas, like Texas way. And I said, you know, I said, the UK's got some, some good stuff. You know, we're, we're rich with, with stuff to hunt, but it just, I don't know, doesn't do it for me. You know, if, if you've got permission, I can go and shoot deer, I can go and shoot rabbits, I can sort of do whatever. But the, the hunting and the, the more living it outdoors bit is a bit I think I, I would enjoy more. How did it start for you? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I grew up in North Carolina, so on the East Coast of the US. You know, I was always in the outdoors. I wasn't necessarily big into hunting back then. But I did a lot of fishing. I was in the scouts. I got my Eagle Scout. So we did a lot of camping, hiking, that kind of stuff. So we were always outside as much as we could. Then we'd always spend about a week at a lake house that we had during the summer. That was a lot of fun, just going out and going fishing, spending time on the water, skiing, wakeboarding, stuff like that. That's just kind of what we like to do growing up. And then I went to Mexico for um, LDS mission. So for those of you that don't know, basically, you probably know it as Mormons, but I went out and knocked doors uh, with the tie and the white t-shirt or the white button-up shirt and uh, did that down in Mexico for two years. Came back and ended up in Utah because I was going to college here. And I ended up getting married to a lady that's from Utah. We were on our way where we were making plans to move back to the East Coast. Because if anyone's been out here, they understand on the East Coast, it's very green, very humid. There's a lot of you know animals, a lot of just basically you're always immersed in nature. There's never a place where you're not seeing green trees or plants. Whereas out here in Utah, it's very dry. It's a desert. And so... I didn't like it being so dry and being in the city as much. And so we were thinking about moving back. And and then a buddy of mine, well, at the time, I barely knew him. He allowed me to go on a hunt with him. And it was a mule deer hunt. And I ended up going with him and I just fell in love with the mountains. Because from afar, the mountains look pretty dry compared to, again, the Appalachian Mountains on the East Coast. The Rocky Mountains are very dry. They're brown, you know, but when you get into them, they're a whole nother beast and there's so much to explore. And so I fell in love with the mountains. And like two years later, after I got into hunting, backpacking and stuff out here, my wife was like, so when are we moving back east? I said, oh, never. We're, we're staying here. <laughs> awesome. So we said before we started this, all you do is, is the bow hunting. Do you, do you fancy doing anything else or is it just, just the bows for you? I started rifle hunting at first, and then I did a muzzleloader hunt, and uh, I like it. It's fun, but I love the idea of, because a rifle hunt's only a week long or less, 
Uh, muzzleloader hunts only about a week long. And you're not really out there during the time when the animals are rutting. So when they're more active, when they're chasing, you know, does or cows. And for me, that was that was something that I wanted to experience. And so my buddy kept telling me, he was like, you need to get into archery hunting because he was like, you enjoy the fitness aspect. You you love animals. So even if you don't tag out, you still love the experience, which is key with archery hunting, because with bow hunting, it's you're not, I mean, it's a, the likelihood of success is very low and you have to get in closer. You have to play the wind, right? You can't shoot from 500, 400 yards away. Like you have to get to within 50, 60 yards, you know, the wind, the sound, like every, there's so many things that go into it. It's much more of a challenge. And so for me, I was like, okay, great. Sign me up. So I've put my rifles aside for hunting purposes and I still love, I love my guns. I, I keep reminding people of that. I, I absolutely love uh, my firearms, but there's something else about archery that just taps into something deeper for me, you know, again, with the fitness aspect of it, it being more of a challenge and then always being able to shoot. I can go in my garage and shoot my bow. You can't do that with your rifles, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's different for us in the UK. So obviously we can't bow hunt in the UK, which sucks. Mm-hmm. The closest we get to it is spearfishing. I think if we were on the coast and we bow fished, I think you'd get away with it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to be the first person to be trying it. So it's all rifles here. But I've got a friend who's big into bow hunting and we've we've spoke about going to France and, and having a go. For me, the boat, the, especially like the archery side or even the fishing, because the fishing is relatively new for me as well that's more about the relaxation for me you know i go and hunt and every time i shoot i get stressed out about it no matter what i'm shooting i'm stressed out about it i enjoy it but it's because i i want to do something well with the archery i haven't got the i haven't got the added pressure of wounding something so i can just you know oh yeah it's a bad shot okay where did i go wrong and i can pick it up again fishing like I said, if, it, if it's blank fishing it's blank if it's blank when i go shoot you know i, I don't care it's it's the process so that's cool. So the podcast, tell me about the podcast. I've heard bits and pieces and what I've heard is awesome, but go into a bit more detail for us. Yeah, no, for sure. So the podcast, well, really the whole brand Redbeard Outdoors started because I was working in an office at the time. You know, I'd have a random day off during the week, sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'd come back and people were like, oh, what'd you do on your day off? And I'm like, oh, well, at the time I had kids that they couldn't walk. And so I'd have them in my backpack or in a front carrier and we'd go for a hike. It wasn't anything crazy, you know, maybe two, three mile hike, but I'd always spend at least an hour and a half outside with the kids. And even when they couldn't walk. So the kids that were in school, obviously they're in school, but the ones that weren't, I'd make sure we get some outside time. The people at my job were just kind of like, Oh, you do that with your kids. And I was like, Oh, of course it's easy. Like here in Utah, we live like you drive 10, 15 minutes and you can hit so many different trails that are kid friendly, at least for the beginning portion of it. You can get a good mile, mile and a half in and the kids will be able to tolerate it or you can carry them, you know, which again is good training for you and your body. And it just surprised me that more people didn't think of it that way. They kind of almost use their kids as an excuse not to go outside or even their kids like just kind of held them back. And so I said, well, you know, I obviously I don't have a following and I'm not, you know, some 
great guru guy, but let me just start an Instagram. And, and I loved Instagram because you, it back then before reels were a thing, um, it was just all photos and sharing small captions. And, and I love taking photos with my phone. So I started there. And then after I had kind of done this transformation where I lost almost 50 pounds, I said, well, now I've done something that I feel like is accomplished and I can now have a voice. I have a reason to start a podcast. I kind of had talked myself out of it for almost two years because, I, again, I didn't want to do the videography thing. I didn't want to do the YouTube, but I love having good conversations. I love podcast platforms. And so I just felt like I had something, a story to tell. And so I started the podcast and then I, it's kind of grown over the last year and a half to where you know, I start inviting guests on and now I do gear reviews because I'm also a gear junkie at heart. I love testing new gear. I love giving feedback or just providing to the listeners, you know, this is a good product that yes, it may be a little bit more pricey, but it's worth it for these reasons. Or uh, don't go for this because it's going to break on you or be a waste of your money in the long run. So that's kind of where it all started. Funny you should talk about the gear reviews because I'm going to get to that. I have to say, anyone who knows me, and, and they wouldn't call me a gear junkie, it'd be more of a whore. Just com- <laughs> just completely, you know, you know yep. oh, yeah, it's a good gadget. We'll have a go with that. And we'll have a go with that. What's your favorite thing you've tested gear wise? Mm. And that's hard. That's hard to say because, you know, I've tested so many things from optics to tripods to boots to backpacks. Like it would just depend on what you're looking for, to be honest with you. But I mean, just, you know, I, I work closely with a lot of companies. And giving them their feedback and stuff. So it just depends. I mean, what what are you what are you looking for? You know, if you're looking for good stabilizers, I could point you in the right direction. If you're looking for some good arrows, you know, I'm messing around with uh, vector arrows. They're made here in uh, I want to say Wisconsin. I might get that wrong. It's one of the northern states, but they're they're made here in the U.S. and they just kind of put the arrows together for people and they've they formed an outsert on the front of the arrow that's pretty indestructible. It's awesome. It's a good. It's a good arrow. They're the ones that are back. If I can figure out my finger here, they were yeah, yeah, right so there with the white, with the white, um, with the white feathering. Yeah, with the white veins. Yeah, there's so many things. So I don't really have a favorite piece of of gear that I've tested. You know, it just depends on what you're looking for. That's cool. I mean, I I have to say it breaks me because it costs so much to get it here. But a lot of the mm-hmm. kit that I buy now is from the US. All the stuff I want, they won't ship to the UK. Like, oh, give me a break. I've got a bit Sounds of like you need to move here. Yeah, I would. If, <laughs> if I could make outdoor man work, I'd be there in the shop. Mm-hmm. My bow, um, that's a prime bow behind me. I recognize it's the, the Nexus 5. Yeah. And I wanted it with the black arms, the black leaves. Yeah. But in the UK, though it was imported, I couldn't get it with the black leaves. Had, it had to be all the first oh. like camo or nothing. And hmm. it was short range we could get. I'm like, well, why is it a short range when, when it's coming from the same bloody place? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. It, it, it shoots fantastically, and I need to use it more. Now I've moved, maybe I, I, I'll get out. The fitness side of things, is that something you've always been into, or did that, come, did that come with the territory with the hunting? Yeah, so fitness, I've always been into sports. Ever since I was a little kid, I played soccer, baseball, football. Those were all kind of my my top three. I played basketball with my friends in the in the street or at home. But yeah, I, I absolutely love baseball and soccer. I probably would have gotten into hockey if they had hockey where I grew up. But yeah, I I really like baseball and soccer a whole lot. And, you know, that's kind of where my fitness journey started was just playing sports. And then obviously in high school, you start lifting weights. And then, you know, one year for Christmas, I got a, that was what, what I wanted for Christmas was a weight set. 
And so, you know, I had weights in my garage at home. And then I kind of fell out of weightlifting just because I didn't know. I mean, as a teenager, you don't know exactly what you're doing. You're my dad knew very the very basics, you know, that goes with football, just kind of bench press, squat, et cetera. And I didn't have a lot of friends that were really into it. So I kind of fell out of weightlifting until I went to college. And then I was going to the gym at college. You know, it was a lot of just trying to do cardio and stuff. And and I also I played intramural sports in college. So just with your friends, you know, we play soccer, indoor soccer or outdoor, depending on the season. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. So that's kind of where it all started. And then when I got back from my mission, I really started hitting it hard. And then just I went through the different fluctuations of bodybuilding style workouts to power lifting where I got a little bit heavier, but I was lifting a lot more. And then, you know, I realized that's not what I wanted. So I went back to bodybuilding style. I've done a little bit of crossfitting. So just kind of, I'm formulating my own, I guess, fitness journey by kind of testing the waters in a bunch of different areas. And I really like my body seems to gravitate more towards the bodybuilding style with some functional fitness thrown in there, such as just more some of the Olympic lifts, doing higher repetitions at high intensity rather than focusing on super heavy weight. Because when you're in the mountains, I noticed that when I was lifting a lot of heavy weight, I was really tight. And so whenever you're climbing over things or whatever, my hip flexors would get really tight and sore and having all that extra weight on your body doesn't help. Even if it is muscle, it's still weight. And so your lungs and your legs are giving out on you a lot quicker because, you know, you're just carrying all that extra weight that you don't need. So that's kind of where I've shifted to, to where it's more functional fitness, aiming more for being better in the mountains, being, being more mobile. Some people may call it stretching, but really mobility so that my hips, my shoulders, everything is healthy and strong so that I can shoot my bow until I'm a hundred years old and be able to be out in the mountains, packing out animals. Yeah. yeah, cool. No, I have to say, I get where you're coming from. I used to do, I've never been a big lad. I'm, I'm more an endurance kind of guy. But when I was doing more more weights and working outside, you know, I was cutting some trees up and I wanted to cl- jump onto one branch and just, just to lop a bit off. And all of a sudden I thought, I can't do this. And that's because my hip flexors and my mm-hmm. legs were so tight from weights. That's when I went back to doing a bit more of the, the crossfit style workouts and the more heart pumping workouts rather than just grabbing at weights, as it were. It's awesome. So what is a typical hunt for you? So you you said you went out for elk last week. What would you like to hunt to start with? What would I like to hunt? Yeah. Well, I'd love to go out to basically Spain or New Zealand or Scotland and hunt red stag. That would be a lot of fun. You know, I absolutely love elk. If it's here in the U.S., That's probably, that's my number one hunt is elk. They're just so big. They're just strong. They're majestic creatures. Don't get me wrong. Deer are are cool. There's just something about an elk. They're just so massive and just impressive. Even the cows, everything about elk, I just absolutely love. But if I had a a dream hunt and I, I keep telling people elk in the rut with no other human pressure, but also a red stag hunt would be amazing. And I, I think more, I lean more towards Spain and Scotland, just because I'd, I'd love to go to Scotland one day and, and yeah. visit Scotland, having family from Scotland and Ireland, just 
that's my heritage, obviously yeah. being a redhead. Yeah. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I'd love to visit those places someday and then, you know, incorporate a, a stag hunt. That'd be amazing. I mean, I've been lucky. I've never shot a stag. I've been lucky to be amongst quite a few that I have been shot with my, with my past, but they are fantastic. I mean, I mean, I went, my dad was lucky enough to be a guest for somebody. Well, my dad was the, the, the Queen's cameraman. He used to look after the Queen's gun dogs. And so every year he's up in Scotland, he'd go up for two months and do the um, help with the grouse, with the grouse shooting. And on the back of that, the Queen used to invite dad out as a guest every year. And one year he shot the, the record stag of that season and it came oh. in at like 18 stone, I think, with his guts in, I think. But just just an amazing you know thing to see and a fantastic head and extremely you know lucky to get to do that sort of thing i've got a friend oh, at the yeah. moment actually who's a, who's a keeper up in scotland i'm like come on let me go let me go he's like yeah, i can't get you up here and i'm like yeah, come on you can you can you can make this happen but he hasn't made it happen yet i've yeah. got to keep i've yeah, got to no. keep the pressure on yeah no that would be that'd be awesome to be able to go up there and do that and that's cool that your your dad was able to go up and participate in that hunt yeah, he, he was he was lucky at that for a few years. So, how does a typical hunt work for you? So, do you have to apply for tags? How does that come about? Yeah, so generally, uh, you apply for tags. So, there's here in every state's a little bit different. Um, so, it just depends on what state you're trying to hunt. Here in Utah, you've got the draw, so you put in for it. There's some units that are called limited entry units, so they're a little bit harder to get in. For elk, elk, you can buy a tag over the counter. And you can hunt certain areas with that tag, or you can go into a limited entry unit and take that tag and hunt cows and spikes, but you can't hunt a branch antler bull. So it just depends on what you're looking to do, but most things are draws. And the way that works is you put in and then it's like a lottery system where at least here in Utah, it's, you know, you have say three points. So you, for three years in a row, you haven't drawn. It's almost like putting your name in three times to this lottery. And if you get drawn out, then you start back over at zero, but you have the tag for that year. So just kind of depends on uh, what you're looking to hunt. So just run me through the spikes. When you say a spike, they literally have young deer, just little spikes. Mm -hmm. yep. and then, and yeah. Then so a spike that, is and then a, branch out. Yeah, exactly. So that's what that's the difference there. Uh, a spike is still, in my book, is still a bull. Some people may not call them that; they just call them spikes. But they're bulls. I mean, they're they're male elk. But yeah, spike is just a single antler. There's no branch off of it. It's interesting because you can hunt, and if you find an animal like a, a bull that has a spike on one side, but he's got six or seven points on the other, he's still considered a spike. So you can hunt him with the spike tag. So just, you can, sometimes you'll find a goofy bull that's got, you know, is either broken off or only has one antler on, on one side or one point on one side. So, but that, that's what a spike is. It's just a uh, one point, no branching off. Um, and then you get the branch antler bulls that are multiple points on each antler. Oh, cool. Every day's a school day. We spoke about the family a little while ago. Is the hunting becoming a family thing? Or that so the way I handle it is I don't. I don't force my kids into anything, but I do invite them and I teach them about it. And if they show interest, I take them with me. So I've taken my kids out on a couple of different hunts where they've been able to spot turkeys or I'll give them a pair of binoculars and show them how to find deer out in, in the mountains. So they're not, the youngest are not quite old enough to go hunting yet here in Utah. You have to be 
oh, I want to say 12 to be able to get a hunting license. So it just depends on on how my kids are interested in it or not. My middle child, he uh, shoots a bow. So he's just getting into archery. Um, he's not really interested into hunting, but he's shooting a bow and really enjoying archery. And then the younger two, of course, they have their little bows that we go to the bow shop and they'll they'll shoot their bows. But yeah, so that it's just kind of a slow introduction kind of thing that I take it that way rather than trying to force them because I don't I don't want them to to force to be forced into it. But I do tell them it's just like with food or anything else. Like you can't say you don't like something until you've tried it. And so just like with shooting a bow, I got them a little bow. If they didn't like it, I wasn't going to push it any further. And I was out maybe $30. But if they do like it, then we'll invest more money and time into that pursuit. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so I've had this sort of the same thing with my girls. My girls are re- still really young at the moment, and they're, they're outdoorsy girls. My other half's horsey, so it's it's going to come one way or the other. But I have to say, as long as my girls understand why we hunt and why we do bits and pieces like that, I don't mm-hmm. really care what they do, if they're in, into it or not. You know, at least they can make, you know, if they turn vegan when they're older, then God help me. But, you know, at least they'll be informed <laughs> on, on why we do things yep. rather than just a blindsided view so so here's a question i I had i had lined up and i'd actually forgotten about it until we were talking about kit do you guys use thermal out there for bits and pieces or is it thermal as in thermal imaging bottles and stuff um, it depends on the state i know in utah you cannot use it while you're hunting but in other states like in texas you can go out and you can shoot hogs at night or sometimes you can do coyote hunting at night with thermal imaging so yeah texas is one where i've gone out in at nighttime and we've had thermal scopes that you can go up and actually hunt hogs at night uh you can also hunt them over a a feeder with a bow i've done that at night and just getting the lighting right so that you can see your you know what you have going on so yeah yeah i do i wonder that you don't see a lot of it it's a big european thing we never really used to do it you know especially for stalking for the deer you know and all of a sudden europeans are coming over here and going we're going to sit this high seat and they go, yeah, it's nothing around. You're like, great, we'll we'll move on then, shall we? And um, <laughs> it's sort of been forced upon us. And it's one of them things where I use it, especially with um, and with the night vision. Do I enjoy using it? Probably not. I like the traditional way. So my thing is telling me that we've got minutes to go. So I'm going to say thank you very much. Where can they find you if they want to find you? Yeah, of course. So. Yeah, you can always find me over on Instagram is where I'm I'm pretty active. I put a post up every day on Instagram. It's red.beard.outdoors. I've also got a group on Facebook called Redbeard's Fit Crew. Go look that up. Of course, First Form Outdoors group as well. I'd love to see you guys over there. And then, of course, the podcast, just wherever you listen to podcasts. It's just Redbeard Outdoors. Just go look it up. Cool. Thank you, Mike. That's, that's appreciated. You've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast. We're glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor, on Instagram, Outdoor underscore Man underscore Podcast, on Facebook, Outdoor Man Podcast, and you can even reach us by email, dan at outdoorman.uk. Let us know your outdoor questions and be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life. Until next time, be the example.